Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader. Hello and welcome to Hysteria. I'm Erin Ryan. I'm Alyssa Mastromonaco. Alyssa, during these trying times, I feel like every single show could start that way. Everyone. During these t- trying times, um, I think it's good to find things that are pure and lovely yes. in the world. Um, and that's why this morning it brought me so much joy to share Sea Shanty TikTok with you. Um, Alyssa, for our listeners, can you explain Sea Shanty TikTok? So, Aaron, when you sent me this, I was like, I'm not on TikTok, thinking it was something I had to be on to enjoy. And you sent me some links to Sea Shanty TikTok. And it is the most unfucking believable thing I have ever seen, where people who are not in the same room get on TikTok together and sing and play. There's violin involved. Sea shanties. And sea shanties. People see it. And then they recreate it. And it is fucking joy. There is nothing, nothing better right now, generally. Nothing better. It is the better. only pure thing. Learning about when the Wellermen come to bring us sugar and tea and rum. Soon it is the... may the Wellermen come to bring us sugar and tea and rum. <laughs> I was born for this shit. I even you have the right sweaters. <laughs> I want to get on a boat and just... I want to walk into the ocean and get picked up by a boat and just it, sail around singing. It is, Aaron. If you, I honestly woke up this morning in a total dither. I was feeling out of control. You know when I feel out of control, I like clean things. I rearranged the fucking linen closet. I did all sorts of things. And then you showed me this and it was better than Xanax. It, my temperature went from a 10 straight down to a four and a half. Yeah. So if you're not on TikTok, you can just find it on Twitter and everywhere. Uh. It's just, it's great. I'm crying, it was so good. (laughs) This week, we're joined by Congresswoman Karen Bass, Congresswoman Pramila Jayapal, S.E. Cup, and Riri Cheney to tackle the following questions. Can Ivanka Trump's promising political career be salvaged? Sorry, I can't get through that one without laughing. What is the end game for insurrectionist Republicans who are literally endangering the lives of their colleagues? Do we owe the crazed morons who stormed the U.S. Capitol any sympathy at all? And, slightly less importantly, como esta Hilaria Baldwin? All this and more, right now. Okay, welcome to the show. Now there has been... God, news keeps happening on Wednesdays. I consider it to be very rude. Um... But, you know, as we're recording this, the House is debating an impeachment resolution. By the time you listen to it, it will probably be through the House because they're probably going to vote on Wednesday evening. Um, My prediction for the proceedings is that Jim Jordan is going to be the dumbest motherfucker in Congress, which he, you know, he it's 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 very, very fierce competition. But he is the dumbest motherfucker in Congress. And some Republicans are going to grow spines and consciences. And um, but, you know, by the time you're hearing this impeachment will be headed to the Senate, hopefully. Um, But 
I want to talk about something else, a story that kind of, I'm going to say that the bee was more in your bonnet than mine, Alyssa, because so this week there were reports circulating that Ivanka Trump, the first daughter, which is a made up job that doesn't exist. Um, she is hoping to rehab her image by going to inauguration and, you know, getting on the path to her uh, eventual political career. Alyssa, what say you to this news item? Aaron, you know that it was Shanty TikTok that took me down from my ledge about this, <laughs> which is, <laughs> you know, first of all, who fucking says you're invited anyway, you dumb fucking cunt? She is like, I am going to... Uh, go to the inauguration as an olive branch. No, I hope the Bidens are like, no, she should not be invited. They should not. Cause you know what this is, Aaron. We all know what the fuck this is. That deranged fucking ninny thinks that she will go to this with her. I don't even know her husband, like who's I just hate him so much too, that they're going to mm-hmm. go to this. Cause she goes nowhere without him. And they are going to fucking selfie the shit out of it for their holiday cards next year to be like, see, we were just voting for Trump because of taxes. Mm -hmm. And because she thinks that she is going to be still in her brain, Aaron. She thinks she's going to be the first woman president. And you want to know why this is also such a bee in my bonnet. I'm going to be very honest about something right now. Back in the summer of 2016, I did... I think it was officially Pod Save America. It may have still been uh, 1600. I don't remember. But I told Favreau and Pfeiffer, you know what? If Donald Trump could legally pick Ivanka, because she was a very different person that we knew back in 2016, if he could pick Ivanka, that would be compelling. Like, I think that Hillary and Tim Kaine, she hadn't picked Tim Kaine yet at this point, that they would have a real race on their hands if he picked Ivanka, because I think that she is interesting. I think she's thoughtful. And she was, you know, a Democrat, supposedly. And so (laughs) one, Aaron, I gave her the benefit of the doubt back then. Right. So fuck me for doing that. But fuck fuck her for thinking she's ever (laughs) making a comeback. Ever. No, she's never been, she's never held any elected office, you know, and she has, she has absolutely no business in the job that she has right now. You know, the, the inauguration isn't like you pen. You can't just get in because, uh, your dad makes a phone call, you know, by the way, you pen should be pretty embarrassed by, uh, how many people in the, in the Trump administration have degrees from there. Like that is woof, kick them out of the Ivy league, man. That is, that's rough. Um, she just, she has no business being there. I, people have been kind of talking about her wanting to run for Senate, but by primarying Marco Rubio and honestly let her primary him and then lose a Senate seat. Honestly, totally. let, let, let her take Marco Rubio out and then she will fucking lose. She is. Cause she would, would she would take him out. She would take him out, yep. but she's like wooden, unappealing, deeply unfunny. All the Democrats would have to do is find somebody that has an ounce of charisma and Ivanka would be toast. Um, I just don't. The audacity. The audacity. Like, she's got like white man audacity. And I hate it when 
you know, men have it. And I, and I hate it when she has it because she should know better. She's also like marketed herself as some sort of champion of women. And she has done fuck all. She has done fuck all. She even sent out a tweet, um, during the uprising in the Capitol calling the people who were doing it American patriots, which she fat, she quickly deleted, but like, she's, she's just like a, look, if it ever came to like a a Hitler bunker situation. She and Melania would be arguing over who got to be the Ava Braun. And I know that's super harsh, but she's a terrible person who has done less than the bare minimum to warrant any sort of rehab. She should crawl in a hole and from that hole, raise money to help fix the problems she caused or shut the fuck up and fuck off forever. Right. Go make more bad shoes. And the other thing I would just ask of our listeners is that when you see people on social media talking about how Ivanka could or should or, you know, would do this, run for president or office at any point, please just reply with the video of her at the G20 or wherever the fuck it is she was, where she like, like, meeting bombed <laughs> Theresa May and Christine Lagarde and Emmanuel Macron and Justin Trudeau and just like inserted herself in a conversation where they were like, how do we moonwalk out of this? And I really think that that one clip really sums a lot of, of her qualifications up. Lagarde's face during that clip is I mean, the, the Frenchest facial expression I've ever seen. And it's hilarious. It is literally I mean, the equivalent of mon dieu. Like she is, <laughs> oh, zut You know, she is not, uh, 15 years of French took me to do that, Erin. Uh, congratulations. It's better Thank than you. I ever could have done. Um, I tried to learn French in college and all I did was unlearn English, some of the Spanish oh. I learned and, and English, but mostly some of the Spanish I'd learned. It was a bad call. Um, okay. Uh, let's get to toast and roast because we have a kind of stacked show today. Um, I want to talk about, do we have a, we have a toast, right? You have a toast. No, you don't have a toast. You don't have a, you know what? No. I think we should probably get, get to the roasts. Let's, I think, yeah, let's, I feel like the roast is the priority this week. The roast is the priority. Um, Alyssa, I feel like we should bring in a guest ranter today. I can't think of anything better. A guest roast. A guest roaster. Roaster. Let's roast. Let's. Yeah. We need a roast. Okay. So nobody is more entitled to offer a roasting this week than our guest. She's the chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus, the national health policy chair for Bernie Sanders' presidential campaign, and the U.S. representative for Washington's 7th District. And right now, she's mad as hell. It's... Representative Pramila Jayapal, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's great to be uh, with you. Yeah, we're happy that you're here. Um, I just want you to let our listeners know who you would like to roast and why. Just go off. All right, here goes. Um, first of all, I have to roast the president of the United States. I have to roast all of the Republicans who supported him as he incited an insurrectionist attack. And then I have to roast all of the Republicans who refused to wear a mask so that when we ended up in a secured room in lockdown with over 100 people and they refused to wear a mask, I got infected with the COVID-19 virus. And now I sit here in isolation. I voted by proxy to impeach the president of the United States. And I just found out that my husband on top of everything now, has also had his life endangered by Republicans who refuse to wear a mask 
when 3,200 Americans every day for the last week are dying from COVID. This is not a joke, and they are idiots, cruel, selfish, and I don't know how else I can say it. I said that in my official statement, and I stand by it. So here's something that I've been thinking about. And, you know, do you think that this whole saga, this like kind of shameful moment in American history, do you think it ends with lawmakers in jail? Yes, I do. You know, we have just gotten um, more and more reports and evidence that there were several Republican Congress members who were part and parcel of planning and executing this attack on the Capitol, the most violent assault since the War of 1812. And we, members of Congress, their colleagues, people who are elected by the people of the United States, were were lying on the floors of the halls of, of uh, our chamber. I was up in the gallery, trapped, unable to get out. Um, as these violent insurrectionists came in with zip ties, with complete plans on how to take hostages. They wanted to hang Mike Pence and they wanted to kill Nancy Pelosi and other Democrats who they believe, thanks to the president, were, uh, you know, were somehow not letting their voice be heard um, as they insisted that this election be overturned. Mm -hmm. Last night, your colleague Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez uploaded a really heartbreaking video to Instagram about feeling that she was personally unsafe, that she had a moment that was a really scary uh, encounter. Do you know if, did that happen to you? And do you know of other um, members of Congress that that happened to during the siege? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think um, Alex actually texted me this morning the whole story. I hadn't seen the Instagram post, but um, I think there were many members who were in that same situation, including on the Senate side. And for me, yes, I was trapped in the gallery um, even after other lawmakers on the floor were taken out of the chamber. They couldn't get us out. They forgot about us. I don't know what happened. And so we were trapped in the gallery. And I had just had a knee replacement surgery, a total knee replacement, um, just five weeks before this happened. And so I was walking with a cane and not able to, um, it's very difficult for me to get down on the floor, much less get off of the floor. And so we had to uh, get our gas masks out, uh, uh, get our gas masks out, take off our mask, be ready to put on the gas mask with our right hand. And we had to get down on the floor and duck because we, we were in the chamber still in the gallery when the shots were being fired into the chamber and we're looking down onto the house floor, which at that point was emptied out. So we were the only ones left. And we saw the Capitol Police with the barricades up, guns drawn, and we heard the shots. Um, and oh by the time we were allowed to get out, which was probably 45 minutes after everyone else left, we saw the people that had been banging on the doors as we were inside, banging on our doors. And the Capitol Police were trying to keep them out, but they didn't know if they had the keys. I didn't know if I was going to make it out of there. When we did make it out of there, those insurrectionists had the ones that were banging on the door right right before um, and trying to get in and trying to hurt us. They were spread eagled on the floor, hands on their heads, surrounded mm. by Capitol Police with guns. Um, why do you think it failed? I mean, do you think it succeeded or failed? And and why do you think that it ended in a way that more people didn't die? I feel like the more we read about this, the more yeah. we hear about it, the more it's like amazing that um, lawmakers weren't assassinated and that the death toll was only five. Like, w why wasn't it larger? Uh, honestly, I think we got 
lucky um, in that the Capitol Police had to, you know, they were completely overwhelmed. There was no National Guard there. The Capitol Police, uh, as you know, the chief of police has stepped down. The two sergeants at arms have stepped down. Um, They didn't request assistance. When they did request assistance from the White House, it was delayed. And fundamentally, they did not treat this as a violent attack on the country with the intelligence. They had, now it's coming out, the FBI knew what was going to happen. And because these people were white nationalists and white folks, they were treated completely differently as if somehow, even though they're armed, they have tactical gear, they're coming in, they're all over social media, the plan is there as to the violence they're going to enact, they still were not treated um, with any seriousness and the intelligence wasn't provided. And you just, I just have to say, you contrast that. You saw me question Bill Barr six months ago right. in the Judiciary Committee. You contrast that behavior or even the precursors to this, which, which were when armed white nationalists stormed the Michigan State Capitol, threatening to behead and lynch the governor of Michigan. Nobody was there. Bill Barr said he didn't know about that. And yet you look at what happened in Lafayette Square with the Black Lives Matter protesters who were simply protesting against the murder of yet another black man and immediately were tear gassed. And we had the National Guard out. Everybody was out. There was nothing like that on January 6th. And so I just think that um, this is the product of continuing to let Donald Trump be so damaging Um the Senate not convicting the last time we impeached him. At that time, I said, Donald Trump is the smoking gun and the gun is reloaded and whether or not it goes off is up to us. Well, guess what? It has gone off in the worst possible way. But you're right. We got a little lucky in that nobody, uh, you know, that it could have been so much worse. We lost five five lives, um, including two Capitol Police officers. Uh, But the more that comes out, It could have been we were just moments away from toppling our democracy and massive numbers of people dead. Mm -hmm. That's so frightening to hear. And I think Alyssa and I kind of texted back and forth about this, like with the response by um, police and the kind of lax response on like intelligence that was credible intelligence about the impending attack. Is there any concern that like there's an element within law enforcement or the military that's compl- that was complicit in this? Is there any evidence um, to that effect? Or does it now just seem that they were caught on their heels because just, just because by accident? No, I do believe that there were people from within that were complicit. And that is, you know, people within law enforcement, people within intelligence, potentially, but also members of Congress, um, you know, Republicans who were part of planning um, you know, there were Capitol Police officers who were giving tours to these um, terrorists. And we think that that, that might have been part of a recon effort. Um, you know, and so I do think that that is one of the hardest things. And I was just on another security briefing that was bipartisan. And I will just say this. You know, the idea that members of Congress are now refusing to go through the metal detectors to get onto the floor of the house and talking about how they can bring their guns onto the floor of the house. That is the same attitude that is now happening around the inauguration. 
And between mm. now and the inauguration, there are multiple armed protests planned with explicit intent to hurt the president-elect, the vice president, and also to kill members of Congress. And so I think these are really dangerous days, and it's difficult to um, even imagine that this is this is America. You know, I'm an immigrant. I came to the United States from India, and I watched tyrants and dictators around the world, and I thought that that could never happen in the United States of America. Not that I thought it could never happen. I didn't think it would happen because I thought we were, we had gotten through those times when we were making a choice between a dictator and a, and a democracy. But the path to dictatorship is littered with moments when people did or said nothing. Mm-hmm. And I think we've seen the result of of that after four years of Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. Alyssa, do you have any final questions? No, I'm just glad you're okay. I'm glad everyone was okay. You know, God help us on Inauguration Day. Um, It is amazing to watch what's been happening on the House floor today. You think that after what happened last week, that who in their right mind could go down today and say, Freedom is not having to wear my mask and being able to carry my gun. And so, you know, I just hope. Do you think do you think ultimately Trump will be convicted? Everything has moved so fast. I mean, I just saw there are at least seven Republicans who have said they'd vote to impeach. I hope it becomes more than that as we go through the final roll call. Um, And, you know, a week ago, we didn't know that would be the case. There are Republicans in the Senate who have said that they would vote to convict um, and to impeach. And remove. And so I just hope that everybody understands that if we do not get Donald Trump out of the White House as quickly as possible, it is a serious national security threat. He still controls the intelligence agencies, the very ones that are providing the security over the next eight days leading up to the inauguration. But also, what message do we send to the world? And there is no way for the people that talk about unity. There is no unity with accountability. There is no reconciliation without truth. And I don't think that um, we will be able to heal as a country if we don't do what is necessary right now in the wake of this violent terrorist attack by white nationalists who are representative of the rising of the Confederacy. Mm-hmm. Well, here at Hysteria, we refer to, I know you're, you're in Congress, and so you, you probably can't drop F-bombs left and right, but here in, at Hysteria, we've been referring to them as the Fuck That Guy Caucus. Um, and we really hope that the Fuck That Guy Caucus um, is expelled somehow, because it sounds like it's an unsafe work environment otherwise. It is. And every one of us as members, but also my husband was just on a spouse's call, and I'll tell you, people are afraid for their kids, they're afraid for their families, they're afraid that everywhere we go, we are marked because there is a war in America. It's happening right now. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad that you're feeling well enough to talk to us, and thank you for being so candid. Um, hard stuff to hear, but I think it's really important that people hear it. So, uh, Representative Jayapal, thank you for joining us. Thank, thank you both you. so much. All right, and 
While that was a lot of news, that wasn't all the news. Coming up after this, we have an interview with the head of the Congressional Black Caucus, Karen Bass. And welcome back. We are so excited to introduce a recurring guest on Hysteria. I think it's it's fair to call this woman a recurring guest on Hysteria. She represents California's 37th district, which includes Los Angeles, woohoo, South LA, and Culver City. She is also the chair of the Congressional Black Caucus. Please welcome Representative Karen Bass. Hello, Karen. Hi. Hi, hi. Thank you for having me on. Um, a lot has happened in this past week, to say the very least. So just this morning, the House... Um, is in the process of voting to impeach Donald Trump. What's the overall vibe on the House floor? And uh, is is it tense? And follow-up question is, you served with um, Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy in the California legislature, and he speaks highly of you. Have you two spoken, and have you spoken mm-hmm. to other re- Republican colleagues? Like, what what's the overall vibe, and is there any inter-party communication at all? I think the overall vibe right now is tense. Tense in a way that I've never seen it before. I've never seen it like this because this now is not about policy. This is about people feeling in fear of their life. And uh, I live five minutes away from uh, the Capitol. It took me about a half hour to get here because of all of the military that is surrounding it. I mean, I couldn't even get to my own parking space um, because Mm -hmm. of this. And uh, in terms of Kevin uh, McCarthy, yes, he is a friend. I've not talked to him. I do plan to seek him out probably after the inauguration to find out, you know, really what was going on. I was speaking to one of my Republican colleagues just a few minutes ago, and I was asking him, I said, don't most of you think this is pretty crazy? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know, I do realize that Trump is a cult leader and that there's cult followers, but, you know, isn't that a small number? And he confirmed that it is, you know, um, Hmm. you know, most of them are doing what they're doing out of fear. And, you know, and I said to him, you know, I enjoy being a member of Congress. I do. But nothing's more important to me than my dignity and integrity. And if this was happening on on the other side, there's no way I would defend a Democrat who did one-tenth of what this guy has done. Congresswoman, let's get into the very pedantic part of impeachment. Sure. So... For a couple questions. First, what does the impeachment vote mean? What will it do? What doesn't it do? How much hinges on conviction in the Senate? And lastly, Mitch McConnell has been leaking through friends uh, to the media that he's open to it, that people should vote their conscience. But if he doesn't bring the Senate into session to take it up, then what does that even mean? Well, I'm okay, I'm okay with that, <laughs> actually, because remember, Mitch McConnell's only going to be Mitch McConnell for a few more days, and so right. I'm just fine with waiting until we have a regal leader of the Senate in Chuck Schumer, because you know, for the last, especially two years, but even four years, he's not really been a Senate leader. He's basically been on Trump's staff. And so um, having him even say that, I think, uh, is a good thing. But but essentially, you know, we are impeaching him for violating his oath of office. He didn't defend the Constitution. He attacked the Constitution. He incited a riot. He incited an insurrection. That is not only an impeachable offense. I think he should, you know, it's a criminal offense uh, as well. 
And so that's the reason he's being impeached. And you know it is a two-step process. So impeachment occurs here in the House, which will take place by about 5 or 6 o'clock today. Then it goes over to the Senate. But remember, Speaker Pelosi is in charge of taking the articles over to the Senate. And it is my hope that she will hold on to those articles until we have a, um, you know, a true leader uh, in the Senate. But the trial and the conviction after he's out of office, the purpose of that is because we want to make sure that a criminal that has hurt our country in the way that he has hurt our country is never allowed to run for public office again. My own personal concern is, is that he could, as he threatened, launch a presidential campaign next week knowing good and well he's not going to run eventually because in the next four years after the attorney general of New York gets done with him, he shouldn't be a free man, frankly. Right. But but he, as a cult leader, could continue to lie to his followers that he's actually running, use it as an excuse to inflame the country and continue to inflame the country and to raise money. Because, you know, right after he lost the election, he launched this legal defense uh, campaign and he was stealing from people. I mean, they had it worked out where 75 cents of every dollar that was raised went to him to pay to do who knows what, to pay off his campaign debts or whatever. And it was just a way of milking his followers for money. I don't want to see him do that. And I don't want to see him continue to foment uh, insurrection, um, white supremacist, you know, rebellion, which is what happened here uh, last week. And so we want to get him off stage. And I think Mitch McConnell is thinking, hey, the sooner we get rid of him, maybe we can get back to the business of the Republican Party. But I think that's scandalous for somebody that has, you know, served him for the last four years. Now, all of a sudden, he wants to distance himself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a lot of people seemed surprised that a man who throws literally everybody under the bus is now throwing them under the bus. Like, it seems to be like this kind of series of realizations among Republicans. And and I don't understand Um, that, considering he's been doing that from day one. So mm -hmm. maybe it's their ego that they didn't think it would happen to them. Mm -hmm. Right. I can change him. That that (laughs) whole idea. Um, Well, Congresswoman Bass, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate the work that you're doing. We appreciate you being a level-headed voice of reason, even during times of craziness. Please come back whenever you'd like to come back um, and, and good luck today. Absolutely. And thank, thank you so much. And I'm happy to come back anytime. Hysteria is brought to you by Viore. Tired of boring workout gear? Check out Viore. Viore's versatile and comfy products are designed to look great in and outside the gym, whether you're running, training, or even just Lying on your couch, enjoying the fact that your two-year-old child is leaving you alone for five blessed minutes. I love that for Viore. You know what? That seems like a real perk of Viore. (laughs) It is. It's perfect. It's cut perfectly for lying down and just savoring a moment to be left alone. It's great. (laughs) 
five the, stars. No five, comment. 100% great. That's the type that's my favorite sport. The new the women's performance jogger is the softest jogger you'll ever own. Grab one of these new colors before they sell out and check out the women's daily legging which features a high waist drawstring tie and upgraded no slip fit. All things that are absolutely essential in a legging. Essential. Uh, I love these leggings. They are cuz you know like not everybody's the same. You know, so mm-hmm. it's like I need a little bit more room around my booty. So I size up a little bit, but then it's it's usually too big in my waist. And so now I just just pull that drawstring. And I don't show show any crack when I bend over. (laughs) Congratulations. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you so much. See, you have your baby and I have my butt crack. (laughs) (laughs) For guys, there's the men's core short, the most comfy-lined athletic short out there, and the men's Sunday performance jogger. Oh, my gosh, Alyssa, my brother, who I have given Viore performance gear to. Won an ultra marathon over the holidays. I saw that. That is so incredible. He ran 80 miles in the freezing cold. I don't think he was wearing his Viore core shorts because that would be dangerous. Dangerous. But, but he he loves wearing them to train, and uh, I'm so proud of him. I'm so pr- Viore played a role in his ultra marathon win. <laughs> Uh, plus, Viore is 100% offsetting their carbon footprint and reducing and offsetting 100% of their plastic footprint from 2019 onwards. Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they're offering 20% off your first purchase. Get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash hysteria. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash hysteria. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to viore.com slash hysteria and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. And we're back. We've reached the part of the show where Alyssa and I are joined by, we're usually joined by two people, but today... One can do the work of two. (laughs) I'm going to introduce her right away because I want to hear from her. I know you want to hear from her too. She's a writer. Uh, Would you call yourself a comedian or just like a, just a writer in general woman? I think I'm a writer who sees. (laughs) Writer who sees general woman about town. Riri Riri Cheney. Welcome. Hi. Hi everybody. Um, We were talking about this before (laughs) we were recording and the plan was not to have Riri on another tragedy show. No, y'all. I was really, I thought I was dodging. <laughs> you know, I thought I was going to have a break. And, no. Uh, no. Uh, white people won't free me from this. <laughs> the, in a way, the insurgency at the Capitol happened to Riri. In a way, mm, in a way, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it happened, to- and not enough people talk about it. And <laughs> I'm glad we're bringing it to the forefront of the discourse. Thank you. Um, but yeah, we had we had Riri booked for this show weeks ago before we knew any of us knew this would happen. And the next time Riri comes on, it's going to be a joyful show, regardless of what is on fire. I am so. I really want to talk bullshit with y'all, and it's just. They won't let me, but that's fine. Well, you know, love being a citizen of humanity. I'm just going to give you a little space right now to to just kind of like give, give our listeners a preview of like, what bullshit would you like to talk about? Like, what bullshit mm-hmm. do you miss caring about? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, you know, the the attempt uh, de coup, uh, if you will, really took my week out of balance. I had such like joyful, like, go Georgia plans. You know, I had content based on wanting to break Senator-elect Ossoff with my appreciation. (laughs) You know, like, I really, those are the things I wanted to do. I want to talk about 
you know, Bridgerton and how horny it makes my aunts. You know, <laughs> like this is where I'm at. Unfortunately, I looked at Twitter during a break during work and I was like, oh, they have breached. It was, it's a very strange, and it, and, and we've been talking about, you know, how to maintain a vigilance because of the multitudes of horror that have happened in 2020, 2021. <laughs> um, it allows for a numbness and people, you can feel detached from it. And I was definitely feeling that to an extent. But the way our fascist Nazis work is that they'll find a way to get you, you know? And so... I want to, you know, I want to scroll pictures of my friends' babies seeing snow and, like, everyone's still getting puppies to get through this next part of what's happening. But it's it's really difficult. It's difficult, you know, being from Maryland. It's difficult that it feels so close and that type of uh, anger and, you know, dissatisfaction and, and superiority feels very familiar to me. Um as well as, you know, as part of me is like, this ain't my fight. You know, like there's a lot of people swinging the word we around. And I want to tell you, not, that's not me. This, is, this isn't on me. This is a disease that has been festering within white superiority and needs to be like dealt with over there. And I'm, it hurts to watch. It hurts, you know, how targeted my friends have been, my Black friends, my Jewish friends, you know, friends with hearts. It, that really hurts. And I wish I could just be on our bullshit having mimosa Zoom brunches like the before times when it was just a pandemic we were dealing with. <laughs> I know. You know, it's, I mean, you have to, you don't have to laugh. I have to laugh. What else oh, yeah. is there to do? It's like that sentence, Riri, in the before times when it was just a pandemic, yeah. when we simply couldn't see our friends and had to communicate through screens because there was a mm-hmm. deadly infectious disease instead of an inf- infectious disease plus. Like, I yeah. feel like we're living in America minus right now. Like, it's very, yeah, it's so frustrating because it's like, I have my chains, of my support group chains, which this our lovely Hysteria listeners have heard about before. And all of them were no one wanting to engage in what this meant, you know, because... The conversation's happening. I I will say I was surprised that like in articles of impeachment have been filed. I was like, y'all are really going to do something about this? That's great. Like it was, you know, it was white criminals. Y'all still going to do something about this? Okay, that's like that's dope. But no one had the like the capacity to really like talk about the weight of it and talk about like the use of the word democracy and how it resonates in other people and why that doesn't feel as strong. I don't feel as strongly about it because I don't feel as attached to that particular. Uh, configuration because it hasn't necessarily felt uh, uh, true to people who look like me all the time. But we don't have, I don't have the space for it all the time. So it was just me and my friends reminding each other to drink water for two days. (laughs) Yeah. It was like, did you hydrate this morning? Did you take your vitamins? You know, like I saw the footage of them reenacting George Floyd's murder. So I had to cry and drink a lot of water. I drank three consecutive glasses of water (laughs) because it was the only thing I could think of to do. So uh, I don't know. I don't know when we get to be stupid and laugh for the fun things again, you know. But 
I can take find some joy in the fact that these people didn't wear masks because they don't care about other folk and like to believe in hoaxes and therefore they're getting more of them are getting caught than probably would because they didn't learn the truth that their ancestors taught was wear those hoods. <laughs> if you wanna do if you wanna do Nazi shit, keep the hood on, baby. <laughs> like that's why these cops are getting got when they haven't historically gotten got for being Nazis, you know? Uh, oh, my but. God, Riri. <laughs> um, so you kind of touched on, like, you know, who these people were that were storming the Capitol. And there's been sort of, like, annoying discourse mm-hmm. uh, over the last week about who these people were. You know, like, I think that a lot of times um, kind of the, the chattering class likes to characterize white supremacists as like backwood yeah. hillbilly idiots. But like Alyssa, you and I were sort of talking about this earlier. Like they're not that like what, what type of person did you see when you were looking at, at footage? And uh, do you think that like the stereotype or the, like the repeated idea that they're just like poor white dipshits is harmful to actually fixing the problem? Oh, def- definitely. Definitely. Like, on my timeline, no one is angrier than like white liberal dads because they're so angry. They're like, no, like we're just like doing face forward content rants. Like, look at these assholes. And it's like, you know, some of some of those people have graduate degrees. Some of those people arrived on private jets. Some of those people are CEOs of companies. It is not just, you know, uh, make your own pellet community. You know, it is a variety, a diverse, if you will, body that decided that they, they, you, their lack of oppression could not be oppressed. Oh yeah. Anymore. Like a real, a real white rainbow, if you will. Yeah. It really was a, 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 a melange of beige and melange, <laughs> you know? And it's, it was like, it's, I think, I'm how I am happy that it is more conversations of like, yeah, the, you know, that marketing CEO guy, the woman who took her jet from Texas, that bitch, you know, the thing that was like, and I know like women supporting women, like, no, no, the women, the women, those white women live streaming that shit. I, uh, this is what's so wild to a lot of brown people is y'all are doing your crime so publicly <laughs> and it just like hurts our feelings. Do you know how hard people try to hide c- crimes and scams and y'all are just on live stream doing it? That's so dumb. <laughs> but that is like the type of person who's like, this is content. Like, are you serious? Mm-hmm. I read a story about a uh, theater, uh, former Atlanta area uh, artistic oh, director of I a saw theater too. who was... Yeah, who was outed as a sexual predator or a sexual harasser and in the course of eight months went from I run a pretty lauded theater in Atlanta to I am now a um, fascist influencer in Florida. He was like, I have to move to Florida for my rights. You lived in Georgia. (laughs) (laughs) Like you could have held tight, bruv. There was enough to fight for there. Yeah. You know, it's. And that for for me, a um, I don't know if I mentioned theater lover, theater artist. It is that's an interesting course, mm-hmm. you know. Yes, it is based in misogyny and like the feelings that like my your body is my right, blah blah blah. blah. But it, it these are there are the swath of people who have been included in this uh, coup narrative. 
I think is really great. I think a lot of um, more, I just voted him for financial reasons, bullshit of the 74 million people, 75 million people are going to be very inconvenienced by, you know, under the very quaffed beards are are people with access and people with money and sons of judges that almost made it out of this whole thing, but he outed himself. Oh God, I hope someone gives a masterclass on how to make it through a, um, a scam without telling your whole name to a <laughs> news crew. Um, Alyssa, what were your key takeaways um, when you were like watching what happened last week? So a couple things just to set the scene. One, I worked in the Senate and my husband was the majority. He was Harry Reid's chief of staff, majority leader and minority leader. So when this all started, what was it, Wednesday morning, mm-hmm. I was on a FaceTime with uh, my deputy for many years, Danielle, who also worked down the hall for me in the Senate, and uh, Jessica and Ferriel, all, all of us colleagues in the White House. And we were FaceTiming, like, look at this wild shit. This is crazy. These fucking stu- stupid white assholes. Like, what do they think they're going to do? The Capitol's the safest building in the world. And I text my husband. I'm like, do you think this is going to be a thing? He's like, fuck that shit. The Capitol's at, like Fort Knox. It's impossible to get in. And as we're on the FaceTime, me and the girls, they breach the Capitol. And what had turned into like, aren't these the stupidest people you've ever seen was like, yo, we got to get off. We can't make fun of this anymore. We got to watch the news. And it was just like, we couldn't, even though they had planned it, everybody knew it. I mean, the fact that anyone was talking for a hot minute after this was, as this was happening, that this was like some insurrection that nobody knew was going to happen. That's a fucking lie. Everybody knew. Like as Naomi Ekparagan, one of our favorite co-hosts said, these fuckers made merch. That required 10 yeah. to 14 business days to produce T Public News. In a, pa- <laughs> like, a pandemic, honey, even with expedited shipping. At least been three done. weeks. And so everybody knew. I think that what we have seen since is that there was, especially among Republicans, I think at the time, this like, this is fringe. It's not that bad. These were just some kooks that got together with megaphones. And what we have found out since then is that that is absolutely not the case. This was utterly coordinated. They, I'm sure you guys saw this, but Mickey Sherrill, I think I'm saying her name right, mm-hmm. from uh, New Jersey, Congresswoman, says that she is has information that members of Congress actually gave reconnaissance tours the day before to some of these people. Yeah. And so it's so gross. Every single day it's gotten worse and worse. I think of what we know, whether it was listening Mm -hmm. to AOC's Instagram, where she talked about not even going to the safe space that they had for the members of Congress, because she thought that the lunatic QAnoners would out her location. And she's totally yeah. right. And she's right. That's they were exactly the kind of people they are. Extreme about what she was thinking. That was actually 100% true. And so you look at these people and like, they're not people to be pitied. You know, I think that in some way we look at like, the, we look at the Trumpers for the past couple of years. And yes, there are the people who are outwardly racist. We know that, or we hoped that every single person who voted for him was not inherently racist, right? Or that wasn't Mm -hmm. the people who say, you guys, I'm voting for him for financial reasons. Those people, you hope they were the majority, not the minority. And I think what we saw last week is that there's like, it's not just a 
maligned group of people. It's not a fringe. It's it's these are people who are utterly dangerous. There are there are there are riots, protests, whatever planned in all 50 state capitals, as we know of the time of this recording. Um, And when you think about it, if you live on the East Coast, I personally am not really leaving the house right now. Um, because so many states have sent their National Guard to secure Washington for the inauguration. So it's like, well, who's up here? Like, who's taking care of business up here? And so I think that, you know, whereas we once hoped that these were a sad group of people who lived a long time feeling hard done by, these are criminals. These are actively, like, they're not stupid. They planned a fucking coup, so let's stop pretending like Mm -hmm. they just don't get it. Um, yeah. and they are exactly what you guys were saying. These are, they're, they have means, <laughs> they have means, they got themselves down there. They stayed in hotels. And also when people, if you've lived in DC for any period of time, you know, where like the douchebags go to hang out and it's like hotel lobbies. There were to your point, Re. they were like, they committed crimes and then they went and had cocktails at the Marriott. Like, mm-hmm. like Double it bourbon, wasn't chilling. even a joke with their Trump capes on. They didn't even, they were showing each other videos, you know, like. Yeah. I was just going to say, it's really frustrating because like I was saying that this, about the travel of it all last week too. I was like, if you got points, bitch, you got yeah. money. So like, <laughs> let's really, let's really pause this conversation that has been pushed about like, let's have empathy for the economically insecure. There are people who come from that space and there is a lack of education and, and, and that breeds fear. And that's true. But like the need to, the fact that we've been having this conversation for five years about, well, what are we missing in their lives that would lead them to this? I'm fucking done with that because mm-hmm. I was saying this right after the election in 2016 to a nice liberal white woman. I said, I believe that if you do not believe racism is a deal breaker, you are inherently right. racist. That's just mm-hmm. how I am. So like people be like, oh, I feel financially insecure. Oh, I believe that needs to be a change of establishment. It's like, no, you don't think children in cages, you don't think running uh, protesters, Black Lives Matter, legitimate protesters over with a cop car is an issue. Then you have you are racist. I'm just mm-hmm. like fucking done with it. But you know, yeah. Okay. No, oh, I was going to say the, the, the feel sorry for them logic reminds me a lot of the conversation that we would often have in the wake of school shootings mm-hmm. where it's always some like it's a white boy who felt like he didn't fit in. And it's, you know, people have pointed this out, you know, look, yes, it is an issue to not fit in and that sucks. But if simply not fitting in or being bullied or being picked on was what caused violence, you would see a lot more trans kids shooting up schools. Like why are, why are they always white boys? You know, and and it's the same thing. It's, I think it's an entitlement, um, to something that these people haven't earned and they're blaming everybody but themselves Mm -hmm. for the fact that they don't have it. And a generation ago, they got it for no reason. Like maybe their parents got it for no reason. Maybe, maybe their, their grandparents got it for no reason, but that's because, you know, the U S government's foot was essentially on the neck of everybody who was trying to better themselves, who wasn't a uh, straight white Christian uh, man Mm -hmm. or somebody who was married to a straight white Christian man. Never forget. It's like, it's, it's just like, there's no, there, there is no feeling sorry for these people. Well, it, absolutely not. Yeah. It's like I have I'm, empathy is definitely something I'm lacking these days. When I was talking to my friends FaceTiming, watching MSNBC for 14 hours straight last week, 
the when it was just starting, when I like first turned it on, I called a friend and and he goes, I can't believe they're not shooting back. I was like, baby, because they know they will shoot back. They know that those people are armed. They are walking around uh, the Capitol building without going through the metal detectors, even though I can't say that real word that everyone's using megometers or whatever. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. um, and yes, it is funny that they still are walking through the velvet ropes because they don't know how to not follow um, a path that they think is deemed for them. That did tickle me. But those <sighs> folk are armed. So like the Capitol police aren't going to shoot back at them. And whereas they are fine shooting into a black crowd because we know that if we were to raise arms, we would be full dead. So mm-hmm. it's, and everyone kept saying, and that was also a thing too on Wednesday, what, like white liberals, you know, really loved to be tweeting if this was black people, they would be dead. And that was a hard thing for me to deal with because it is true. It is very true. Um, and I don't need you to keep telling me. Because mm-hmm. it didn't, it never left my mind the whole time. And I finally, I think I, I posted something about it and, you know, a lot of Karens rolled in me, like not all white people. And like the, the amount of um, peace I had to will myself not to just start FaceTiming bitches. <laughs> but, it, but it is that it, I, it really hurt, it hurt my feelings, but it also just hurt my soul because it's like, you could see, you know, Deborah Messing really like coming up with that tweet because she wants to show like they want to show that they are on the right side of history. But if that comes so quickly to you, please don't like focus in on the fact that it would be violence against black people. Why don't you like make the turn to, OK, A to C it. So what does that mean that we need to do within the white community? What is like uh, accountability is what everyone keep ca- accountability before unity apparently is the message the message uh, in the communications office this week <laughs> and and <laughs> it's you know it's true it's it is true but it's it's very frustrating that it always has to, the that the conversation about the worth of black and brown lives is always somehow in play, even when we are not involved. The only black folk you saw in there were people who have obviously been kicked out of the barbecue as evidenced by their <laughs> their wig placements and their fade lines being wrong on their heads. So like <laughs> I understood that reference. You did <laughs> I understood that reference that I feel gold star, gold you, white merit badge for me today. Um you know, I, I think Riri, what you're saying about like people trying to kind of impress other liberals is sort I think it's sort of like a waste of energy. Yeah. I mean, maybe this is just this is just me wanting to to be a piece of shit because deep down inside at my core is like a little di- a piece of shit that turned into a diamond, you <laughs> wow, know? Beautiful under baby. All, immense pressure. No, I just, I think that a lot of our attention should be focused on roasting these motherfuckers. Mm-hmm. Like, and I'm, I'm talking figuratively, not literally, because I am a Democrat, not mm-hmm. a Republican. I don't want to actually do violence to people. That's so nice. Um, like, we should be tearing down the fact that these are, I mean, I wrote a piece for the Daily Beast this week yeah. calling them chicken chicken shits and mama's boys. Yeah. Because that's what they are. Even if, even the women are mama's boys. They're people who have always had some, somebody bailing them out. They're people who never have had to fear going up to a barricade and, like, just walking past it. They're people that treat the entire world like they're at an olive garden and they've been waiting 20 minutes for their entrees and their entrees haven't come and the table that ordered after them has already gotten their 
entrees and they're pretty mad at the waiter and they're going to leave a 10% tip. Even though it's lunchtime and it's unlimited soup salad and breadsticks time and it's very hard to be a waiter at the Olive Garden during that hour. That's that's like, these are the people we're dealing with. They are fucking McMansion hillbillies. Mm -hmm. They are grimy bumpkins. They are scum. And I don't think, I I hate that like Hillary Clinton was dragged over the coals for calling them deplorables because they are, they are absolutely deplorable, Mm -hmm. terrible fucking human beings. I mean, Alyssa, is there anything like redeemable about these people? Or do you like think that Roasting. No, is a good no, it's time to be roasted. To I mean, these people had four years to prove that they weren't. It's like, think about it. They had four years to prove that they weren't kind of like what Hillary Clinton said, right? No, we just, yeah. we're just not Democrats. We voted for Republican. Donald Trump is different. Well, he turned out to be different in every possible worst way. He is a criminal. He is, you know, one of the things that I had been thinking was he's going to pardon all these guys, like the more people they mm-hmm. arrest and charge before he leaves, they're going to pardon them. And I was getting all worked up about it. And my hubs made a, like the best point. He's like, Alyssa, they don't have business suits on. They don't have money. He's like, Donald Trump's not going to pardon these people because he doesn't give a shit about these people. He used these people and now they're done. He's like, so mark my words, he won't pardon them. And I was like, oh my God, that's probably true. Like he... He is there. He is disgusting. And maybe, you know, maybe at some point these folks will realize that he did use them, that once he can't be president, you know, once he is hopefully impeached, that he never wanted them, never would have associated with them. I mean, you guys, the man never did a fucking rope line. He didn't touch these people. He didn't go Mm. and say, oh, my God, I'm one of you. No, 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 no. He was never one of them. He didn't feel their pain. He just wanted to be their fucking leader. And now they have breached the capital for him. A true, I mean, guys, is there anything more both endearing and embarrassing than all the allied leaders being like, we'll send troops to the capital for the inauguration. It's like, thanks, Angela. Thanks, Macron. Thanks, Trudeau. Like, thanks, Boris Johnson. Like, because... But not Luxembourg. Luxembourg is giving us the well, cold because shoulder. Luxembourg has some gardens to protect. And so those Jardins <laughs> don't take care of themselves. Exactly. I mean, Luxembourg, biggest balls I mean, in Europe. They're Let's like, be honest. You, you, you know, well, turning down a meeting because they were like, you fucking arm checked me at the first G20. And so fuck you for not letting me walk with my friends. (laughs) We have to take a break. And before we get to the bullshit fight club that we were about to get into, we have a portion of an interview we recorded last week with S.E. Cup on the future of the conservative movement in America, if there is one. So stick around for that. you got enough to do already? I do. That's why I use Ship Same Day Delivery to keep up with my busy life. They know the snacks I like down to the extra creamy in my peanut butter. I can get deliveries at home, on set, or even when I'm away on vacay. And my personal shopper, Amber, she's got my back. As in, she asks them to check the back if it's not on the shelf. Shipped. Delight in every delivery. Learn more at ship.com slash high. 
Okay, welcome back. Right now, we are going to play a portion of an interview that we recorded last week. Um, I want to give you guys this preface so that you kind of understand why the the tone of the interview sounds the way that it does. Um, the person that we're interviewing is Essie Cup. She is a former colleague of mine from uh, CNN. She is also somebody who has been a lifelong conservative and a vocal critic of um, the Trump administration and the Republican Party in general. Um, so that's that's kind of where we're at with this interview. We wanted to play it for you because she's uh, somebody that I look up to a lot. She's also somebody who has a pretty good head on her shoulders and has a lot of interesting things to say, I think, about the future of conservatism, if there is one at all in this country. So without further ado, let's hear from Essie Cup. I am super excited to welcome our next guest today. I think that she's our first Republican, Alyssa. Is she our first Republican? For, she was a former Republican. 2021, baby. No one <laughs> she improved. was a Republican when the symbol for the Republican Party was like an elephant instead of a dead elephant with the two Trump boys posed next to it, uh, which is <laughs> the new symbol of the GOP. Um she is the host of the weekly CNN show, Essie Cup Unfiltered. She is a certified Real Housewives super fan, and she's kind of my former boss. Uh, please welcome Essie Cup. No, definitely was not your boss. Uh, you you know, could boss me, though. I had zero authority when I, no, I, you know, I, <laughs> no, I've never been anyone's boss. Not since I was um, an editor at my college newspaper, 20 something years ago. I've never been a boss. So no, we were colleagues. I would prefer that. You're like the wizard of Oz then you're like the projected power. And then really there's somebody behind the curtain. No, I'm just kidding. Total facade. It's a total (laughs) facade. I have, I hold no powers. (laughs) (laughs) Well, former colleague who I uh, look up to and respect a lot. We'll, we'll leave it at that. Essie, what does the word conservative mean now? And within the Republican Party, do people identify themselves as like, I'm a Republican and that's a Trumper? Like, is there that distinction at this point? Yeah, I I don't think the word conservative has changed. And I will stand by that. Conservatism is a set of values and it has nothing to do with who's in charge or what a party platform is. Because remember, the Republican Party's changed over the years, just as the Democratic Party has changed over centuries. So conservative to me still means exactly what it did, you know, four, four plus years ago. In fact, I, I tell this story where in the Trump era, I get, you know, emails and texts and tweets all the time. Like, Essie, what happened to you? You used to be so conservative. And I have to say, Dad, um, you know, the, <laughs> I still believe exactly what I did four years ago. You y'all have changed. I have not. So conservatism to me means a, a set of, of principles. They're the same. What I think has changed is what Republican means today. And so Republican really means nothing other than whatever Trump just said last. There's nothing girding it other than, you know, Trump's whims. So what used to be Republican, we used to be anti-protectionist. We used to be against tariffs. Now we're plenty of Republicans are for tariffs. Uh, Used to be the pro-family party. Now we're the party of child separation. Um, used to be for lowering the debt and the deficit, you know, stuff like fiscal responsibility. Trump has shot that to hell. That's what's changed. And so whether you call yourself a Republican or not, I think is the tricky part. It's sort of like it's sort of like atheism. I'm an atheist. And when I tell you I'm an atheist, 
You don't really know what I believe in. You know what I don't believe in. Right. You don't really know what are my values. They could be anything. Mm-hmm. They happen to be pretty Judeo-Christian, um, you know, the Ten Commandments and stuff. But I would have to explain to you what I believe in. I think if you're a Republican, you really have to explain today mm-hmm. what that means. Is that a Trump? Is that Trumpy? Is that you, you consider yourself conservative? Do you consider yourself a moderate? Mm-hmm. It really doesn't mean much today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I find that really interesting. And, you know, even after, after I think 2012, I'm old enough to remember how after 2012, uh, the Republican party was like, we have to have a postmortem. We have to figure out how to reach out to more. I worked on it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> have you had like a ceremonial, like burning of a stack of papers to, to, uh, to symbolize how no, I know. And I, I don't, I don't mean to cut you off, ask your question, but like, yeah, I, I remember it too. I was there. I was mm-hmm. asked to work on developing ideas, mm-hmm. policies, messages, to reach millennials, LGBTQ, women, uh, minorities. And I, I took that work really seriously. And I was actually really enthusiastic and excited about where the party could go. Mm-hmm. I mean, so that actually does lead into like where the question was going. So do you think that there is still room for a viable conservative party? Like, are we doomed to have one party that just means nothing but the pursuit of power and one party that just means everything else? Or do you see a split happening and a viable conservative party emerging from this? I think the more likely thing is that you'd have a moderate third party, Mm -hmm. something in between both of the parties, because I think both parties have uh, moved farther to their wings And, you know, that means different things on the right than it does on the left. But I think for a lot of people in the middle, they still feel underrepresented by the two parties and they don't feel like either of those boxes really reflects their politics. And so I think the frustration you're seeing is in the two party system as it's currently set up and that it's not it's not working for enough people Mm -hmm. for a majority, in fact, Mm -hmm. And and when I talk about this, I, I often point out, you know, pick a hot button issue, abortion, uh, just being one that comes to mind. Most people are not on the far right or the far left of the issue. Most people are kind of in the middle that abortion should be legal, but with some restrictions. That's a very moderate position to take today that doesn't meet either party's, you know, purity tests. And that's true of, I think, most issues, immigration, gun control. Well, if you're in the middle if you're in the majority, in fact, and you have to complete these purity tests to feel like you fit into one of the parties, I think you'll feel pretty left out. Mm-hmm. So I think that's where you'll you might see some political movement less so than in a, you know, principled conservative because, you know, like libertarians have tried to do that and um, Freedom Caucus Tea Party try to do that. And it doesn't really um, go anywhere other than sort of gum up uh, Congress for other Republicans. So one more thing, and an apologies if this is a little too wonky, um, but you know, dealing with politicians, Alyssa's already laughing. Uh, oh, I could, cause I can feel this is a setup. It's not gonna be wonky <laughs> at all. Go ahead. Go. So dealing with politicians, you're, you deal with a lot of people who, um, seem to feel as though they can cruise through life on lies, like, uh, not telling the truth, like David Perdue and the insider trading and Kelly Loeffler and the insider trading and, you know, all of the crimes that everybody's been doing all, all the time. The Trumps yep. seem to not know that recording equipment exists, no matter how many times they right. get burned by it. <laughs> right. So I want to know, uh, Essie, 
What do you think <laughs> Hilaria Baldwin's thought process yes! was? Yes. <laughs> what did she think? Hilaria. Hilaria. What? <laughs> what do you think? Yes. <laughs> what do you think was going through her mind, Essie? Like, I need your help. I'm so glad you asked me about this. Um, because for like the past two weeks, I ke- I kept saying to friends like. This is the only story I'm interested in. If you're not, if you don't want to talk about this story, don't bother talking to me because this is it. (laughs) Obviously, the events of this week sort of took over. But yes, this story is remarkable to me on so many levels. This is not a person who grew up, Eladia, (laughs) um, who grew up in a time where like, The internet didn't exist and recording equipment didn't exist. And this is a like a modern, a modern day gal. (laughs) And not to imagine that like the real story, the truth, the truth would not come out about where you're from, where you were born, your background, um, your family heritage. All that stuff can be found out like real easily. So that blows my mind. (laughs) Um, The other thing, I, too, am from Boston. I never considered myself Spanish, but maybe, (laughs) maybe, maybe I am. Uh, No. And I just think, and then I look at it from a PR perspective, right? Because, you know, in this business, we deal with crisis comms all all the time. And I just wonder what her best next move is. And I know it is not anything she's done to date. (laughs) Right, right. Not like defensive crouch. It's the media's fault. It's everyone's fault for for assuming things that she never bothered to correct. Like, that's not the answer. So I'm just I'm curious to see what comes next. Look, she didn't she didn't kill any babies. Right. She doesn't need to she doesn't need to, like, go to jail. I don't even think she needs to be canceled, but she does need to take responsibility for being um, a lying liar face. A lie. And also not being smart. Girl, my, I was telling Aaron, this is what started the whole conversation, is that my favorite moment of the saga so far, okay. aside okay. from the fact that she got all this started by not thinking Amy Schumer's post was funny, when in fact it was very funny. Yes. She, so I am watching CBS this morning and Vlad Dutier is on TV with the two other co-hosts and they're talking about this and the women were kind of defending her and being like, well, you know, it's like she's Spanish, but she says she's from Boston and he is on television looking at his phone and he's like, her agent's page still says she's from Mallorca. (laughs) And they're like, what? He's like on the, on her website, it says she is from Mallorca. And I was like, girl, just stop. Talking, like yes. stop yoga posing on your stove and just be quiet for a week. <laughs> oh my god! I, you know, I thought about like what, like it's such a catchable lie. Like Cucumber. that is like that right. is when someone has been told for too long that they are beautiful and nobody has ever checked them on anything. So you have like <laughs> extreme hot girl privilege, and she just like thinks that she can just become Spanish. Like I went to Disneyland when I was eleven, and I didn't come back talking like Mickey Mouse, saying I was from Disneyland. She vacationed there when she was a kid. She can appreciate the culture. That's about it. Well, maybe she went to Epcot. (laughs) Maybe she went to Spain and Epcot. (laughs) So did I. (laughs) Um, Anyway, uh, Essie Cup, thank you so much for joining us. We could talk about this Hilaria, Ilaria story forever. I love you girls, honestly. Thanks for having me on. This is one of like the best funniest podcasts out there. And I know, Erin, you've been, you know, telling me about it for a while. And so I'm glad I could finally come on and chat with you. Yeah, come back sometime. I hope that by that time, some other hot weirdo will have told another weird lie. I have no doubt, girl. (laughs) I have no doubt. (laughs) All right. Bye, Essie. (laughs) Bye, guys. 
Okay, we have to take a quick break, but when we come back, finally, the promised bullshit fight over a very important topic to each of our hearts. Okay, we're back. We are at the part of the show where we debate stupid garbage because mm. we've earned it. Oh. Um, let's uh, let's debate some stupid garbage with the Fight Club. Um, so this week, ladies, mm. we're about to get real stereotypical right now. Oh yeah, um, I have on a Cosmo Sunday right now. I'm I'm. <laughs> it's. On Sunday, I read a news item that uh, HBO Max is rebooting Sex in the City, and the new chapter is called, and just like that, dot, 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 and it will star Sarah Jessica Parker, Cynthia Nixon, and Kristen Davis. And as I was reading about the reboot of Sex in the City, I couldn't help but wonder, where the fuck is Samantha? Oh, buddy. Kim Cattrall is not coming back. No. So here's my question that we are going to fight about. Does the Sex in the City reboot count and are you going to watch? Oh, I'm going to watch every minute of it. Every gonna, single second. Every There's single maybe second nothing to even fight about. It's Honey, gonna... I've watched that no. that teaser that has nothing in it. Me too. Times. It is going to be <laughs> bad. Let's let I will say this. I it's going to not it's it's an, I don't think I don't know what Michael Patrick King has to say about uh postmenopausal sexuality For, uh, in women. In women? <laughs> I don't know what he got to share. I will lap it up. Why? Because Pat Fields is still out in these streets. It's <laughs> and it's also like the big thing, the big thing. I'm so proud of Kim Cattrall. Own your space. It was a toxic environment for you. Don't go back for the check if you don't need the check. Stay in Canada. Keep making those shows. Good for you. What's frustrating is that the like one, she was one of the only truly sexually open characters in a show called Sex in the City, except for Miranda, even though Miranda was like, judgy but sexual so i am wondering if they're gonna bring in not like a someone was like bridge i love bridget everett or someone like that to like spill that yeah. space i think they need to find <laughs> bridget like, everett would be hilarious be amazing also because she canon she was in sex and city movie right someone who yeah. interviewed to be the Carrie's assistant. assistant yeah so if she show back up having gotten her shit together that'd be funny but it, they need to have one of them have, not Carrie, because it would be too weird, but with one of them have an assistant that is now a friend mm-hmm. who is still out there fucking. Because, like, unless they're going to break up Miranda and Steve again, I could do this for hours. Literally, they just need <laughs> to have someone who, like, is actually in the city, isn't as moneyed, isn't, you know, Carrie every so often had to write those, what, $40 a word, $5 a word, 12 cents a word. $7,000 a word. A word at Vogue. She was like, and that's a lot. Usually they'll only give, oh God, I'm so excited, guys. I'm like, when people got so mad about it, I had to leave Twitter because I'm like, okay, is this really something to be mad about? Number one. Number two, you guys, are we forgetting that Miranda ran for governor and is one of the most progressive people in America? I mean, first, both real and fake. One, real. I feel like Cynthia Nixon wouldn't have signed up for it if it's garbage because she's kind of like a thing now. One. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I've seen Ratchet. Okay, fair, 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 fair. <laughs> but I just feel like there's a lot of room here. Why be judgmental when we don't even know where the story's going to take us? It's like, look, Sex in the City movie, the first one, 
is was good. Okay. Yes, the second was one was unwatchable. Oh, and I, I walked watched out it of the 10 theater. times. I walked out of the theater. I haven't made it through the second one. I was like, I think it was maybe the fifth pun that Samantha made about like Lawrence humping and Malabia. and yeah. yeah, like like yeah. I was Lawrence just like this is, is the one that took everybody out. That was, <laughs> I mean, it is really I think it's we need good news. We need news to argue about that isn't, you know, like big and bad and painful. So like why why not let SJP get that check? You know, she has let a shoe she has a shoe line to promote. <laughs> by the way, think about the arc of the show. The woman doesn't even wear high heels anymore because they fucked her knees up so bad. <laughs> Carrie Bradshaw may in fact be wearing Birkenstocks and sneakers in this. Uh, guys, the sky is the fucking limit. <laughs> I mean, I think like Sex in the City seems like a show that for it was what it was. Mm-hmm. And people tried to kind of read things into it. Like it was not supposed to be a blueprint of like how to be a lady in the world. It was a comedy about I mean, my read of it now is it's a comedy about four women that were sort of assholes mm-hmm. just like failing at love over and over again in a way that's like. I don't know, like also indulged like the sort of New York fantasy land that doesn't exist anymore. Um, I just wonder how they're going to address like the sort of elephant in the room and like modern critiques of the show, Um, because you couldn't make you couldn't release old Sex in the City now and get away with it. So like I'm I'm just curious to see what they what they do with it. If they care to, you know, like HBO Max, if you think about all the reboots. Except for Saved by the Bell, actually. Um, all, <laughs> all of the reboots, no one is really like, let's do something so, so new or like put these characters, like actually let these characters age or actually show like their evolution. And I am, I'm pretty like, lack. I don't have any sort of frustration about that, especially when it comes to the show, because it is so moneyed and white and like is what it is. So mm-hmm. yes, I would have picked big over Aiden because I have issues other than that. And I don't think she would change. I don't, people don't change. So maybe it is yeah. like, I, I don't know. Vulture had that article of like, they went to a bunch of different comedy and different drama writers and saying, what would your characters be doing during the pandemic? And they were the sex and the city ones. I'm like, yeah, they're exactly the same. Yeah, they wouldn't change anything. Wouldn't they change would anything. just go to the Hamptons and be like, we don't have to wear masks. Yeah, it was something like um, big is in the Hamptons and carries in the city and she's going insane. Like, yeah, bro. yeah. You know what? I just had a I just had a David Lynch pitch mm. for the reboot of Sex mm. and the City. Like, let's let David Lynch direct mm-hmm, it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and have it start out for the first 15 minutes. It's kind of like archival footage that involves Samantha. And then all of a sudden there's like some catastrophic like event. Mm-hmm. And then it's just the three of them. And we don't understand why Samantha's not there. And at the end of the series, it's revealed that this was all a vision that Samantha, who is hooked up to life support, had while in a coma. Whoa, that's yeah. some JR Dallas who shot him shit. I need to go outside. Uh, I truly need to go outside. Let's um, th- let's wrap that conversation up on that very bizarre and Jacob's Ladder version I of Sex in the City. Um Riri, thank you so much for coming by. Thanks and I'm sorry guys. again. I'm sorry again about the the tragedy. <laughs> no, no, shit. no. Um, I don't know if it's the world or me. We should check next time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's wait until the last minute. Exactly. And so like nobody can predict. And that's all the show we have for you today. It was a lot of show. So thanks for sticking around for all of it. Thank you, Riri Cheney, for joining us. Thanks to Alyssa Mastromonaco for being my ride or die. Thanks to Congresswoman Karen Bass and Congresswoman Pramila Jayapal. Thank you to S.E. Cup. And thank you to all of you, the listeners. There will be more hysteria for you next week. I am from another planet. This nation's fine.
Hysteria is a Crooked Media production. Caroline Rustin is our producer. Our executive producer is me, Aaron Ryan. Alyssa Mastromonaco is our co-producer, and Brian Semmel is our associate producer. Kyle Seglin is our sound engineer, and our editor is Sarah Gibalaska and the folks at Chapter 4. Our digital team is Narmel Konian and Magic Group. Thank you to Juliet Beckstrand for production support every week. With my busy life, I use shipped same-day delivery to keep up. When I need a jar of extra creamy peanut butter delivered, I know my personal shopper Amber will come through. And if it's not on the shelf, she asks them to check the back. Shipped. Delight in every delivery. Learn more at shipped.com.